This episode is proudly sponsored by Smile Brilliant. If you're like me and an estimated 40 million other Americans, you grind your teeth in your sleep. Whether it's stress, anxiety, or an abnormal bite, chronic teeth grinding can lead to several problems, including worn enamel, tooth decay, and sleeplessness. And if left untreated, even lead to expensive dental procedures. After paying an average of $200 to $300 each for custom-fitted night guards over the years, I eventually stopped ordering them because, like anything, they eventually wore out. Well, now you can get the same quality custom-fitted night guards delivered directly to your door for as little as $45 each using Smile Brilliant's lab-directed process. I recently ordered mine and within just a few days received the night guard impression kit in the mail along with a prepaid return envelope. The instructions were super easy to follow and they even sent enough material to do a second impression in case you don't get it right the first time. I had a question about my first impression kit and whether or not the material was covering enough of my back molars. After sending a brief email with a photo of the impression, Smile Brilliant's customer service team responded within just a few minutes, reassuring me that everything looked good to go. So I sent the impression kit back in the pre-stamped package and should have my new custom-fitted night guards within the next couple of days. As an Invisible Choir listener, you qualify for an exclusive special. Head over to www.smilebrilliant.com and use code INVISIBLE at checkout for 30% off. Once again, that's www.smilebrilliant.com and use code INVISIBLE, that's I-N-V-I-S-I-B-L-E, at checkout for 30% off today. Today's episode is a special Felony Friday release from our Invisible Choir Premium Archives, available exclusively on Patreon. Click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash invisible choir to sign up for just $5 per month to get instant access to over 100 Felony Friday mini episodes, just like this one, in addition to other bonus content, behind the scenes access, and physical perks for our higher tier supporters. Now, on with the show. Reach Freaks. Thank you for listening to Invisible Choir. This episode contains sensitive material, including graphic depictions of violence or abuse against children, which some listeners may find especially distressing or traumatic. Listener discretion is advised. Friday and Saturday Night Youth Football. It's a staple for much of the South during the late fall months. A literal part of the culture for many. The atmosphere is unforgettable. The sights and sounds ingrained in many a childhood. The families gathering around underneath the bright lights, each team digging down, hoping to pull off the win. The smell of Booster Club concessions hangs heavy in the air. It was no different the night of Saturday, November 14th, 2015, in rural Scottsville, Kentucky. The town of just over 4,000 residents reveled in sport. On this night, families gathered at the Allen County Scottsville High School, for the Youth Football League's All-Star Game. In attendance, the Doolin family. 11-year-old Alec was playing in the big game, while his 7-year-old sister Gabriella cheered from the sidelines. Their parents, Amy and Brian, watched with anticipation. 7-year-old Gabby had been playing with friends, as children do, while her parents, having been here in this spot many weekends in a row, with other families they knew, felt it was a safe place full of good people. But shortly after 7 p.m., the night sky by now deeply darkened. Their seven-year-old daughter asked if she could go off with her friends to the nearby concession stand and bathrooms. Without hesitation, they agreed, and their daughter wandered off with the other children 
into the frenzied crowd. After a short while, Gabby's friends returned without her, and after surveying the nearby bathroom and concession stand, Gabby's parents began to panic. They began frantically searching for Gabby, wandering aimlessly through the crowd, hoping for just a glimpse of the girl's familiar blonde hair, stopping to ask everyone they could if they had seen their daughter. They even had the game's announcer call for Gabby over the loudspeaker mid-game, asking her to immediately return to her parents. But the seven-year-old girl never showed up. And by 7.40 p.m. Saturday evening, Brian and Amy Doolin called the police to report their daughter missing. Soon, nearly everyone in attendance had formed into several informal search groups, each one picking a direction and moving quickly. They searched nearly every corner of the school, but seven-year-old Gabby Doolin was nowhere to be found until 8.05 p.m. when a volunteer searcher stumbled onto a horrifically tragic crime scene. One of the volunteer search groups ventured southwest past the baseball field and into the heavily wooded area behind the school. And there, on the edge of a large creek pond, they saw her. At 8.05 p.m., uh, the Kentucky State Police here, we were notified uh, that the body of Gabriella Doolin had been located in a wooded area uh, there on the property. Um, at that time, uh, and since then, a uh, vigorous investigation has been uh, been taking place uh, both day and night. Gabby's lifeless body was in the pond when searchers first came upon her on Saturday night, and her eventual autopsy concluded that her cause of death was ruled manual strangulation and drowning. Someone had literally choked the life out of the poor seven-year-old girl, likely while holding her head under the water. Police immediately corralled all remaining attendees still at the football game into the high school gymnasium, pulling individuals and families aside to conduct interviews throughout the night. They were looking for any clues that might lead them closer to Gabby's killer. During the interviews, numerous people identified a suspicious man who had been seen walking away from the wooded area and back to the large parking lot that sat adjacent to the pond. He had apparently been smoking cigarettes in the vicinity, mingling about with the others who were searching. He was described as a tall white male with a beard or goatee facial hair who was balding. This person of interest came up again and again during the interviews, and eventually, police identified the man and spoke with him that night. It was 38-year-old Timothy Madden of Scottsville. The middle-aged father of five was at the football game that night, though he had apparently left after a heavy police presence arrived on scene. His own son was playing in the All-Star game, while one of his daughters watched and cheered him on. And what was perhaps just a strange coincidence, Timothy Madden and Brian Doolin actually knew each other. The two fathers grew up together and were casual friends throughout middle and high school until they eventually grew apart after Timothy Madden dropped out in 10th grade. While frantically searching for his daughter Gabby, Brian even briefly came across his former friend and thought it quite odd that he was moving away from the key areas that others were heading into to search. As police moved forward with their investigation, including conducting an early morning interview with Timothy Madden at his home on Sunday, the Scottsville community was restless. They gathered at the Allen County Public Library just the day after Gabby's senseless murder to hold a prayer and candlelight vigil in her honor and to support her mother and father who were deeply lost in grief among the crowd. We, 
as a community, Brian, stand with you. This whole town stands with you tonight. We're praying for you. We're crying with you. We're mourning with you. We stand with you. And we're also praying that soon the people, the individual that did this will be brought to justice. Though the Scottsville community wrestled with unanswered questions for five long days and nights, the police had been carefully piecing together enough evidence to issue an arrest warrant for Timothy Madden. When they went to his home early Sunday morning, just hours after Gabby Doolin's body had been found in the school pond, they observed that he was notably fidgety and seemed nervous. Madden voluntarily agreed to provide the clothes he had been wearing earlier Saturday night, and when he presented them to police, they immediately noticed what appeared to be blood on his belt buckle and underwear. They then ordered an expedited DNA profile from the blood samples and waited. Then the following Friday, November 20th, they got the results back from the lab. The blood on Timothy Madden's clothing was a positive match for seven-year-old Gabriella Doolin. He was arrested just before noon and taken into police custody. During the brief press conference, Kentucky State Police would announce the charges, and the community already reeling deep in despair was shocked at the level of depravity of what occurred before Gabby Doolin was murdered. And um, at 11.23 a.m. today, arrest warrant was obtained for 38-year-old Timothy Doolin, uh, excuse me, Timothy Madden, 38-year-old Timothy Madden of Scottsville, Kentucky, and he has since been arrested. Uh, he is going to be processed at the uh, Allen County Jail, where he'll then be transported and lodged in the Barron County Jail. Um, Mr. Madden has been charged with kidnapping, rape first degree, sodomy first degree, and murder. Detective Wesley Medley is the lead investigator on this case and will still be conducting that case. Uh, it is an ongoing investigation. Uh, no other details can be released at this time uh, in reference to this investigation. Uh, we just ask that your thoughts and your prayers continue for the Doolin family. A small army of local media was present when police walked Timothy Madden out of the state police post and into a nearby waiting squad car. The wiry 38-year-old man, with frazzled and graying facial hair and a balding head, met the description of the suspicious person many had seen leaving the wooded area near Gabby's body perfectly. Sporting a bright blue University of Kentucky hooded sweatshirt and handcuffs, he proclaimed his innocence loudly while being placed in the back seat of the patrol car. I'm sorry about their loss, but I'm innocent. Others in the community who knew Timothy Madden, or Timmy as he was more affectionately known, didn't believe he was capable of committing such a depraved and violent murder. The Timmy they knew was a loving father and husband, who sure, at times could be awkward and nervous, but he had never actually harmed anyone before that they knew of. Madden had a series of previous theft and traffic convictions, but had committed no prior violent crimes. It didn't make any sense. 
not to those closest to the man whose picture now appeared in the Park City Daily newspaper under the bold headline, Arrest Made. Timothy Madden's own father-in-law briefly met with reporters who were staging outside of his home to alert them and everyone else in the community that the police must have arrested the wrong man, as there was no way Timmy was capable of murdering another child because he was a loving family man himself. He's the most lovingest feller that you could ever see. He's got five kids, two by my daughter. He's has got a three-month-old baby and a seven-year-old girl. And uh, he's been married to my daughter 10 years. He's never, she's never had a bruise on her, a slap on her, or nothing. And uh, he's always helped me do anything I can do around here. He's worked, and uh, I just rate him one of the highest that I can rate him. That's just all I can tell you. So how do you think he got mixed up in this then? How do you... If they went to a ball game, to his ball game, he even sat with this fella, Doolin. I don't know if you can put that in there or not, because they went to school together. And then how this all come up that this happened, it's a mystery to me. I, I don't know. Because my wife was here taking home, taking care of the kids and everything. When Timmy come home, they said that he was had spines or something on him. That's a lie. He was just like he was when he went to the ball game and stuff. And my wife can verify that and everybody else. Anybody on this road can tell you that Timmy Wilson is one of the best people. And they'll verify him, but time ain't nobody. And was one of your grandchildren playing football that day too? Yeah, she was. She was in the same. She was cheerleader on the same team that this little girl was. Okay, I've even took her to cheerleading and stuff with her. Hey, me, Emily. My, there's my daughter. There's my daughter-in-law. There's Timmy's little girl. If you want to see her, so I'd rather not put her on. I don't think. No, yeah, that's, nah, that's good enough. We just want to make. I want to make this clear and make a statement. Cause I, his voice needs to be heard. And that's just the way I am about it. And how quickly did all this come about? That he was a suspect and well, since that Saturday night, that Saturday night they rolled in here. I guess about two o'clock in the morning, about 20 ksp. Uh, they didn't give no search warrant. They went in the house. Uh, my daughter's uh, uh, blood pressure had shot up. She was in bed with the baby. And they even questioned her. They went in there and questioned my daughter. They even the law, the law did. My granddaughter, and and uh, I don't see how they can do all of that. They didn't have no proof then, and I don't know if they got any proof now. I mean, I know they arrested him, but they still ain't told us nothing. And I don't say one thing about the KSP people that comes here. I've lived Allen County all my life, and them is the most unrootish people to talk to and fool with that I've ever dealt with in my life. Neither Timothy Madden himself or his family claimed to have any knowledge of any concrete evidence that the police had in their possession to warrant his arrest. According to them, police stormed the property without an appropriate warrant and illegally obtained his allegedly bloodied clothing without appropriate legal permission. But aside from the matching blood samples collected from Madden's own belt buckle and underwear, the Kentucky State Police had another piece of vital forensic evidence that placed the 38-year-old father at the crime scene. A forensic pathologist conducted a post-mortem sexual assault examination on seven-year-old Gabby Doolin, collecting semen samples from her vaginal and anal areas, samples that eventually returned a positive DNA match to Timothy Madden. It seemed that the quiet, loving family man was a sickening monster hiding in plain sight all along. Without yet having knowledge of the full extent of the evidence police had against him, Timothy Madden accepted a jailhouse interview 
with local news source WDRB at the Barron County Jail, where he was being held on a $1 million cash bond. He had a message that he wanted everyone to know. It's all bogus. I'm a very innocent man. I can ask anybody that knows me. Why did they connect you to this murder? Small town gossip. They said I fit the suspect. Six foot tall, brown, uh, brown coat, long beard. Pretty much that's all I knew about it. But then they, I knew they found the little girl's body later on that night and then locked them, played a uh, ball game down. Do you know the Doolin family? Yes. I know I went to school with him. His you went to school with her, her dad? With her daddy, yes. Okay. How well do you know them? Are you a family friend? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I was friends with him all through school, and then we run around together there after school for a while. And then my little daughter, she plays a uh, cheerleader with, with a little girl. Also. If, if you're innocent, why would someone accuse you of this? I have no idea. I have no idea. Timothy Madden sits in the jail's visiting room, directly across from the news reporter. His arms are free of handcuffs, but he keeps them tightly crossed over his chest. Throughout his entire interview, Madden's feet are fidgeting wildly, and he sways nervously left to right in his chair. It seemed in that moment that he actually believed he might get away with the entire thing. Were you at the game Yeah, I was at the game. I get My son was playing football. And my little daughter was there with us too. So now what? You're, I mean, you're. I'm. I'm in jail. Yeah, but I still am innocent. So we'll figure a way out of it. How are you going to do that? Um, I'll have a lawyer, I reckon, on the way. Because I have nothing to hide. I've. I've cooperated everywhere they wanted me to cooperate. What types of rumors were going around? That oh, was. It's all over topics, and then when I do get out of here, I will sue KSP and everybody else that's slandering my name. Do you have any bad blood with the Doolin family? No, not at all. What's your relationship like with her dad? Good. Have you talked to him at all today? Nope. What do you want to say to them? I'm sorry for their loss. I feel sorry for them, but it wasn't me. What do you want to say to the public? <laughs> well, if they find the right uh, person, I will come out and I will, like I said, sue everybody that slandered my name and put me where I'm at today. Because I am innocent, and no, I am. And everybody knows me, knows I am. Timothy Madden knew that his family would stand by him and his reputation, and at nearly precisely the same hour he was sitting inside of the Barron County Jail, professing his innocence, his father-in-law continued defending the man, having no knowledge of the ironclad evidence that police already had in their possession. I don't know. I still can't get over it. He's... He's kind of out going playing with kids, I mean like this, because he loves kids, don't get me wrong. And every little kid, you can be out there, and like a little bitty, and we was out there, we was out there playing ball. She was playing baseball. Well, her just little bitty kid was throwing rocks at Timmy, and Timmy was playing with her stuff, you know. Now, man raised, man raised five kids <laughs> from, uh, they're grown to newborns now. 
But uh, this is a shock to you. I told them when I pulled up there that night, uh, and they told me, I said, y'all got the wrong man. I said, hey, I said, there ain't no way that that boy could have done anything like that. I said, I, it's just a shock. That's all it is to it. I don't know how it's going to come out. We'll have to try to get enough money together now to get him a lawyer or something. I don't know what it leads to and stuff like that, but uh, uh, we'll do everything we can do. That's all we can do. How's this going to play out in a small town now that he's been accused of this? And well, it's not good for him. That's the reason I was on y'all. Uh, took a long time to get them in this place down here, and you got people now drive by and shoot your house down or do anything over just hearing something like what's going on. You know, and uh, I've been around enough to know, you know, I'm a good judge of people and stuff like that. So you're concerned about for your family now? Yeah, I'm concerned for my family. Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> yeah. And these cops and stuff is really the way they handled it. I just thought, I just give them to him up there. I told him, though, you come up there at the house. I said, well, I'll just drive down there and get him and bring him up here. I said, y'all don't have to park down there and do this and come in. I said, and spend all the taxpayers' money doing all this stuff. I said, this boy give up free of charge. Oh, man, he, that just tears them all to pieces. They just want to push him and do everything. Then they come down here. I told them when they come down here to search your house that I, we wanted to be there when they searched it. They didn't want us down here. And I said, well, no, I, I said, y'all could plant evidence against this boy uh, doing this if y'all won't let us be in there when you searching it mm -hmm. <laughs> he went ahead and done it anyhow hmm. yes we know he was a, a suspect on it and stuff and it just kept growing and stuff and everything he asked him to do it he went and took a lie detector's test he done everything but they just kept doing, they called him liars down here and i was sitting down here i couldn't have took it i mean they was it, just like they know that he'd so done it, and they didn't have nothing. They didn't even have nothing in on the ball. So that he's been cooperating with them from the oh, from get go. We're going to cooperate, and we're going to do everything we can do. Cause that boy's innocent. Ain't nothing in. I mean, that's just all I can say. And there's a lot of people. The little girl, I feel sorry for their families and stuff like that. Of course, I was born and raised around here in Allen County, but. Uh, they need to be looking someplace else and don't let this just die down like it is because there's another one that's still out there. He ain't got the right man, I'll just tell him right now. Madden had cooperated fully with law enforcement, participating in several lengthy interviews and even a polygraph examination regarding his involvement in Gabby Doolin's murder. When confronted about the supposed blood evidence on his clothing, Timothy Madden had a convenient explanation for that as well. I give him my clothes that night. I think, yeah, they did mention that I had blood on my clothes or something, but I kind of rubbed against the fence, like I said, rubbed against the trash can. It's the only thing I know where I'd get blood from, but it wasn't me. Is there any DNA evidence that they've... No. <laughs> did, did they say if... I don't, you know, if it is, it ain't mine, you know. So, so maybe it'll work out because I'm an innocent man. I shouldn't be here. Um, what's your family thinking right now? Oh, I, don't, I have no idea. I've not seen them since they put me in the car. Oh, I'm sure they're terrified and upset. Um, anything else you want to say to anyone? No. Nope. Just tell my kids I love them. Daddy be all right. So you have kids that's about the same age as the Doolin kids? Well, I got one of them is. I got scattered out from 20 years old to, he'll be a four months old to 25th. Um, how are you going to claim your innocence besides going to court? I mean, 
if you were there that night, is there anyone that will? Oh yeah, there's several people there. I've got all kinds of people to verify that I was there, you know, and seen me, and I even took pictures on my phone to prove I was there, you know, to send them to my ex-wife because she didn't wasn't there and she wanted to see Blake playing football, and so, I mean, I've got, I believe I'll be okay. Did they ask you questions about, like, you know, were you in the, the bleachers when Gabby went missing and things like that? Oh, yeah. Several times. And what's your, what are you claiming? Last time I seen her was, I was sitting on her side of the stand, like always, watching a smoking cigarette, and she walked by, and the other two girls came through her first, I don't know, minute before. And then she came over and looking around. I said, well, they went that way. And that was the last time I seen her. People were searching for her at that point? No. Say that was, and then nobody started searching for, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, I guess. So you did, you saw her go by that Well, she came in front of the bleachers to the back of the bleachers. Um, I guess just if you want to summarize, I mean, why, why are you so confident that you're innocent? Because I know I am. I've done nothing wrong. And you're confident police won't find any DNA evidence against you? Nope. Who do you think did it? I have no clue. What do you want to say to that person? <laughs> Bad individual out there. I mean, if someone He's crazy. Forward, if someone came forward, that could mean your freedom. Right. you have anything you want to say? Uh, oh, they need to. Because I know it wasn't me. My family knows it ain't me, and everybody in Scottsville knows it me. Yeah. If they know me anyway, you know. Why are people pointing fingers? I have no idea. I guess because KSP started the rumor. Because okay. when they showed up to the house, they brought the news cameras with them, so I'm sure. So I mean, that's how it all started. But I ain't got nothing else to say. Gabriella Doolin's family waited patiently for justice to prevail. Despite the overwhelming evidence against Timothy Madden, his trial was repeatedly delayed over and over again due to procedural issues, changing Commonwealth attorneys, and motions to suppress key evidence. The Doolin family waited for their day in court for nearly four years. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill, if it's possible. How are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For 1,439 days to be exact, they were left alone with their memories from that night. Her little friend came back down there and she said, Amy, have you saw Gabby? I can't find her. And I saw him walking up the fence from at the ballpark. And I couldn't, it was dark, I couldn't tell who it was originally. And I hollered, I was asking a lot of people that night who they were. I mean, yeah, I thought he was helping me search. 
I asked him that's what he had said. He said he's looking for Gabby. She had been around him, you know, at all the practices and the games. She would have trusted him just enough. I wouldn't have thought somebody was on the sidelines with us time in, time out. I don't never have thoughts like that about my friend's kids. To make sure that the person that did this pays. But we have to make sure that justice is served for her, whatever that may be. I will get to hug and kiss her again. I know I will. I don't have no, don't have no doubt. But I miss her, man. I go in there every day. Um, I look at her stuff. I look at her pictures. Um, I smell her blankets. You know, I haven't washed them because they have her smell. And he said, Daddy, he said, I miss Gabby. You know, Gabby was his best friend. You know, she she was kind of like a little mother to him. She always she always watched out for him, took care of him. And it's really hard, Jake, when he comes up, Daddy, where's Gabby at? Well, we tell him, you know, we're in heaven. And then his next statement is, Daddy, he said, did y'all get that bad guy? I mean, he's three years old. Brian and Amy Doolin left Gabby's bedroom, just as it had been on their last day together, filled with her bright pink stuffed animals, bedspread, and clothing. Symbols of the second grader's favorite color were also plastered inside and out of the family home in her memory. After yet continued delays, including moving his trial to another county commonwealth court, a request for a psychiatric evaluation on the eve of his trial, and an election that brought in yet another new commonwealth prosecuting attorney, the Doolin family finally got the news they were so desperately awaiting. In August of 2019, nearly four years after Gabby's tiny body had been discovered behind the Allen County Scottsville High School, Timothy Madden was ready to accept a plea bargain. There was only one condition. He would voluntarily plead guilty to kidnapping and murder in exchange for a life sentence without the possibility of parole, so long as he could enter an Alford plea for the rape and sodomy charges effectively maintaining his innocence so that his family, quote, wouldn't think any less of him. The deal also removed the death penalty from the table. On Wednesday, October 23, 2019, the Doolins came face to face with their daughter's killer in the courtroom at his sentencing hearing. Amy Doolin stood next to her husband Brian to give her victim impact statement, looking directly at Timothy Madden. When she began, Madden leaned over to whisper something to his attorney, casually ignoring her deeply heartfelt words. Brian Doolin, having waited nearly four years to be able to address Gabby's killer directly, wasn't having any of it. He erupted in the courtroom, and the scene quickly devolved into chaos. Sir, that's the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. Give us just a minute. We've had four years waiting. You listen to him. No, you can look around all you want to. We've had four years waiting. You can let him listen to what she's got to say. Do you understand me? Do you understand Mr. me? Mr. Doolin, Mr. Doolin. I'm sick of it. Mr. Doolin. We've let my man, we've had four years. He can give him, give her three minutes to say what she needs to say. Let's take, let's take a brief recess, if you'll please, if you'll escort Mr. Escort Mr. Madden out. Three minutes. 
You can't give somebody three minutes to say something. We're in recess at this time. If you'll please escort Mr. 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 recess four years ago. We're in recess at this time. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and escort. If you, if, Mr. Mr. We Morgan, asked, is this, this is all we've asked. We haven't asked. Not enough respect. Today. And you're an attorney. For, you're paid by the taxpayers. You're paid by the taxpayers. You're paid by the taxpayers. Absolutely. We are off the record. Ladies and gentlemen, stop this. All of you. Now. After the brief recess, both the Doolin and Madden families that had cried out in the courtroom were once again calm. It was now time for Amy Doolin to talk directly to Timothy Madden and explain the profound impact his disgusting and callous actions had on her and the rest of the Doolin family during that Saturday evening football game. Our kids are heart and soul. I, as their mama, loved them from the moment that I knew they were alive and growing inside me. The first time you hear the heart beating, you fall more in love and you feel them moving inside you. When Gabby was born, she looked just like her daddy. From that moment on, he was wrapped around her tiny little finger. As her mama, there was a bond with a daughter that was so special, I knew she was going to be my little best friend. We played dress up, we played with dolls, we watched Disney princess movies. We fixed hair, we painted nails, and we shopped. Gabby had such a bright and bubbly personality. She was a girly girl, mainly, but she did have a tomboy side. She was so talented and very smart. At seven, she loved school, she loved learning and helping others, and wanted to be a teacher. She had a sweet heart of gold and made lots of friends. Gabby was her older brother's biggest fan and her baby brother's mother hen. Because of you, we lost our baby girl. Our boys lost their sister before she was even eight years old. You took her from us. Why did you do it? There is no reason that you could give. Gabby was an innocent little girl who was at her brother's football game playing with her friends just as she had done so many times before just like the other children did as well. I made the mistake of feeling like my kids were safe at a place we had been so many times with so many other parents that we knew. I never felt a sense of danger and neither did Brian. We took for granted that not everyone had the same morals and values that we did and that evil would be lurking and preying on our child at a hometown youth football game. Only it was. 
I let my baby girl go to the concession stand in the bathroom with a group of her friends. This time her friends came back without her. I panicked, Brian panicked. We ran everywhere frantically yelling her name and searching. I turned from where I was standing and I saw the ambulance behind the baseball field. I ran to get her. I was stopped by the paramedics. I said, I want to see my baby. And they said, no, Miss Doolin, you can't go down there. I was crying and asking, please let me go to my baby. They said, we're doing all we can do. I hit my knees, crying out loud, God, please let my baby be okay, please. And then they came to me and said, I'm sorry, but she is gone. The hardest words I've ever heard in my life, the most gut-wrenching moment of my life. I wailed and I screamed, no, I want my baby. God, please, no, I want my baby. What had happened, we didn't, we still didn't have a clue, but our baby girl was dead. How could this be? My brain and my body were in shock. They brought our oldest son off the field to us. We had to tell him that his sister was dead. He was pitiful and he screamed and cried so hard. He was devastated. The police moved us to the locker room and it got cold that night and I stood outside. It was so long before they moved her and I watched in that direction. Allen County Circuit Court Judge Janet Crocker sentenced Timothy Madden to life in prison without the possibility of parole. When asked for a statement upon exiting the courtroom, a Doolin family representative didn't want to answer any questions, but instead left those in the media with one last profound sentiment on behalf of the family. I don't really want to answer any questions. If you're ready, I'll just say this. Please remember Gabby. And today we saw justice for Gabby Doolin. 1,439 days. That's what it took. And it's, it's been a long day. The family didn't have any, Brian and Amy didn't have anything they wanted me to share. But 1,439 days. Take me with you now, wherever you roam. Arms around your shoulders. Hey